Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. When women lead, share performance and profits go up 50%. Results are more powerful when everyone is empowered. This is the insight that brought the four founders of Beyond Barriers together. We came from a diverse set of leadership backgrounds with a common goal to close the gender gap at work and expand economic opportunities for everyone. Tune in each week as one of us interviews inspiring guests who share stories and cutting edge strategies that will help you learn what helped them go further faster. I'm so excited for you to get to know Carrie Sweeney. Carrie knows how to build relationship. She believes that showing up and treating everyone the way she would treat her friends has led her to a successful career. After graduating from Notre Dame, she started her career working at a digital agency, eventually landing at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business and continuing her career as a consultant for Bain & Company, and then as a sales leader in Google's advertising organization. Today, she's a leader in the Pinterest organization, helping drive business for retail clients across the country. Carrie is a team-focused and client-centric leader who believes in showing up when it would be easier to quit. She feels that knowing when and how and where to pivot when making decisions is critical. Carrie's often told she brings big sister energy to work, which she loves and I certainly experienced in this conversation. It comes honestly as she learned how to lead and work with people through her relationship with her own sisters. As a leader, she helps her people look for anything that went wrong in a situation and take responsibility for the things they can control. She loves people and believes that being there consistently for others over time helps create trust. Carrie is clearly a busy woman with all of her responsibilities. And when it comes to how she gets through her day, she shares a little bit with us about how she does little things first. Join us as we learn this and so much more from this wise and successful leader. Visit gobeyondbarriers.com where you can find show notes, links, and all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Carrie. Can you just start by introducing yourself? So by way of introduction, I'm Carrie Sweeney. I am based in Chicago. I currently work at Pinterest. I lead our sales teams who work with big retailers. Uh, Pinterest makes all of its revenue through advertising. And so it's a big part of the business to ensure that we're helping these complex retailers um, hit their goals, drive sales, make sure that the return on their ad spend is positive and is in the right direction. Um, and before that, I spent years at Google, uh, at Bain and Consulting Business School, and at large agencies at Starcom in Chicago. So um, I've been here for 20 years plus since college and always in client-facing and, and kind of team-focused roles and, and really loving it. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. So question about cultivating resilience. I think it sounds like such a funny thing to say, like create resilience. And I think we were talking about, I, I loved and, and encourage everyone to read this book called Grit by Angela Duckworth, which is not new news. It was, this is like now getting all the hype about anyone you look at who has had any success or anyone you look at and say, oh God, she seems cooler. I'd like her life you don't see all the days when it wasn't great and things were mediocre. And so I think that so much of success in business is just continuing to show up and and show up when it would be easier to cancel or quit or just not go through the like ugh, feelings of um, of a meeting or, or some kind of interaction that doesn't feel good. But that's how you build it. And for me personally, back in 2014 or so, I was working in consulting traveling four and five days a week, um, spending most of my my time in that project, 
on Excel and analytics in a team room, kind of behind a door, crunching, crunching numbers. Um, and I'm, I'm proud that I was able to do that. I learned how to do that in consulting. That wasn't what I thought my skill set was, but it, it wasn't feeling great. I wasn't, I was doing a medium job at it and really putting a lot of energy into it. Um, and I remember doing the Shamrock Shuffle in Chicago which is like a five mile race around St. Patrick's Day. So right around this time, all those years ago with one of my oldest friends from the agency from Starcom right out of college. And she just kind of said, this is not you. I was exhausted. I had almost bailed on her because I, my flight had been delayed. And she said, you know, kind of like the joie de vivre is gone and you don't, you don't win a battle for, or an award for just grinding through it and continuing to show up, like come back to ads or tech, like, there's so many jobs right now, like you can really like think about the possibility. And so when I think about that moment, I, I really took it to heart. I ended up leaving consulting probably three to six months later, ended up at Google in Chicago back in you know the ads world and in sales. And it, it really, it, you, you, you don't notice it until you're there. It felt it just felt right. Like I got there and I'm like, oh, I know this world. And everything I learned in consulting really helped. Like the structured thinking made me better, you know, at sales and at, at tech. But, um, I think I looked back and I realized how much I learned about resiliency. I, I kept getting on these 6 a.m. flights for consulting where I didn't feel like I was showing my best self. I didn't feel like my best skills were on display, but I did it and I gave it a long enough run that I really learned things that didn't come innately to me. But then I, I think I hope, actually, I didn't have the self-awareness. A friend had self-awareness to kind of shake me and say, like, it doesn't need to be a grind. Like, like find that joy and think creatively about where to find that. So I, I think there's something about resiliency in there that, like, listen to your friends. Don't don't throw on the towel too soon. But then a lot of resiliency is is pivoting and saying, oh, you know, I said, I didn't know about sales. Like, I went to business school and, and in consulting, like, I don't know. People with MBAs don't go into sales. And I said, oh, forget it. I like, I like what I know of sales. It's Google. Like, that's a great company. If I don't like it, I'll move to San Francisco and work in strategy for, for Google. And I love sales. And so having, um, that resiliency to redefine, okay, I'm not going to be a partner at a consulting firm. I'm going to be go to sales and just getting comfortable with that narrative. That, that's what it is. Um, so hard, hard fought for sure. There's no easy answer. You have to go through it, not around it, but. I don't know. I'm always grateful for that, that shamrock shuffle. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that, that's amazing. I think a couple, a couple of really great nuggets in that one being like that, um, resilience doesn't look like just doing the hard thing over and over, right? That it, yeah. I, I loved what you said that a huge piece of resilience is knowing when and how to pivot, right? <laughs> like that. Totally. That's so powerful because I do think people associate resilience with just like getting back up, you know, and carrying being the atlas and carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. Um, but also like having that that board of directors, that group of friends, like the people who really see you. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like how have you, you know, I, some of the women that we we work with struggle not only to ask for feedback, let alone yeah. people like invite people in and be like, I want you to hold up a mirror to me, uh, you know, and help me see what I can't see. Right. So how, tell me a little bit about your personal board and, you know, how did you cultivate it and, and how would you suggest others uh, do that? Or would you suggest others do that? Yeah. This, that's my favorite part of the Wall Street Journal is when they do the personal board of directors article. If people don't read that, they should go back in the archives. It's so much fun. So I think, um, when I think about my group like that, 
I first and foremost go to my sisters. I have two sisters and two brothers. I think it was such a formative way to grow up with a, a you know, relatively big, you know, Irish Catholic family. We were all in each other's business all the time. And I think when I think about how I show up at work, I think some of it is how I showed up in our family as the oldest, the biggest, you know, big sister. Someone at work recently told me that I bring big sister energy to work, which I'm like, I will take that, you know, like you don't want to disappoint her, but she loves you. And like, she's on top of things. Um, And so I think I learned from a young age, like you only can from, from sisters, how to be direct. And then we would get into horrible fights about each other, stealing clothes and who got the bathroom. We had one bathroom for five kids. And, you know, and then 20 minutes later, it's like, all right, I love you. Let's move on. So, so much of that applies to business. You know, you, you roll with it, you, you hash it out and then you move on. So I still go to them, my, my twin sister and my baby sister for advice. I'm like, does this feel like me? This is what I did in a situation. Is that horrible? Is that good? Is it somewhere in between? Um, and then the other powerful part of that is, I think I always worked at companies that had great training programs. So I worked at Starcom out of college, which threw you into a group called PIT, P- People in Training, very, you know, very clever acronym. And truly five or six of those people are still my best friends to this day. We, we travel together all the time um, in each other's weddings. And I think that that's another layer of honesty of people that have known you for 20 years and saw you when you were unshaped and un- unprofessional and like trying to get to the meeting on time after staying out late the night before. And they they know you in this kind of vulnerable, unvarnished way. Um, so I have a group from there and they're all still in, in this tech and digital ads world. So they've been tremendous sounding boards to say, you know, they work at fantastic companies, you know, like firework and trade desk and Google. And so we talk about the industry a lot. And I think that's really fun to have a group of friends where it's not boring to talk about work. Like we really push each other and say, oh, did you read this? Like, what did you think about that? How's your company responding to this versus mine? Um, same at, at Bain, you do a ton of training. It's a, just a phenomenal training ground. And I still, several women from that group and I go on health retreats every few years and, and visit each other. Um, and then at Google, some of my Google team came to Pinterest with me when we left Google to, to go to an earlier stage company and, and have more impact. And, um, now, you know, we play tennis together. We get dinner all the time, even though they've moved on to other companies as well. So there's, there's something about showing up for those people. You have to make the time. You have to stay in touch. You have to text. And there's something about, um, you know, just asking for the advice too. Anytime I've thought about changing companies or applying for a bigger job within my company, I go to them and I say everything from like, is this the right role for me to when I'm interviewing? Will you look at my slides? Will you look at my business plan? Like poke holes in it. Um, and it's been such a gift. I think. It is. It's like having sisters, you know, and some brothers too, uh, from every career point I've had is I have that same relationship I had with my, my sisters where they keep it real. So it's good stuff. That's a great framing of it. What if you knew exactly where to focus to go further, faster? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers and the ability to take action and gain unstoppable momentum to deliver results and advance. Take the Beyond Barriers Momentum Metric Quiz to get a personalized report on the five C's, core categories used to measure and accelerate success. Visit gobeyondbarriers.com slash quiz to get your report today. 
I just love to hear you again talk about the connection between um, the seemingly disparate connection, but the connection that you make between um, dollars and people, like right? yeah. revenue facing role and how it's all. I just love to hear you talk a little more about that and why that's a powerful way for you to um, to think about it. Totally. I oh, I think I always think this. If someone described my job to me right now on paper, it would sound horrible. I I sometimes I I see similar roles posted on LinkedIn, and I'm like, oh, the stress. Like it's. It sounds really horrible to be alone on a team, solely responsible for a number that if you don't hit that number, your entire company doesn't do well. And I just think that's entirely the wrong way to frame it. And that probably is a little bit more of a masculine way or an old school way of of framing a sales leadership role. Um, Whereas in the day to day, how I experience it, of course, I feel pressure. I want to do things well. I, I don't want to disappoint. But it has become such a more nuanced um, definition of success that if you do miss your number, we need to unpack that a layer and say, did the right activities happen? Did you show up for your client the right way? Did you show them the right data? Did you, you know, play that right consultative role? And so, you know, there are things that are out of your control and we will, we will never ding you for that. That's my number one thing with my team um, is, you know, if something in your control goes wrong, we have to talk about that. If something out of your control goes wrong, that that's my commitment. I will never come at you for that. And so when you start unpacking it that way, it becomes, you can see the path to success. Oh, well, showing up for my clients and being diligent and being really thoughtful about their business and being organized and setting up the right cadences. I can do that. Like it, it takes the mystery off of how do you go from zero dollars, you know, to X million which can seem daunting. And that's, that goes back to our conversation about resiliency. Like so much of it is putting one foot in front of the other. Um, and I do think that if we framed sales that way, you know, creating a really excellence oriented, but also compassionate environment for, for teams to band together, you're not doing this alone and to connect with your clients who are humans too. Like they want to hear from you. I think we'd have a lot more women in revenue generating, you know, leadership roles. Excellent. Okay. Well, do you have a, like, do you have a typical day or a routine or, you know, kind of success habits that you deploy? Um, that you yeah. Have? I love that question. I, I love reading like day in the life or like get ready with me videos, all that stuff. It's like so compulsively interesting about what can you pick up from other people that might, might work for you. And I do think, I, th- I always laugh because everyone always says, Oh, no day is the same. And I'm like, that's not helpful. Like, what, what, what are some days like? Um, so I do think, I think that now in this remote world at Pinterest, we're hybrid. So I am usually at home two or three days a week in the office, one or two days a week, and then with clients as much as needed. Um, so I have really loved my days at home because I think that I realized quickly in the pandemic, like half of America, you know, it's the novelty of being able to sleep in and roll out of bed and be at work without a commute is exciting. But quickly you realize, no, like the discipline needs to hold. You need to get up, have your routine, work out, make breakfast. I always put a buffer in to do, I I call it admin stuff, but it's not even that. Like ticking through any quick things that require less than five to 10 minutes, just get it off of your plate before 8.30 or nine in the morning. Because otherwise that occupies like mental space that distracts you from the bigger problems. So it's, it's nice to go in to the day with a clean slate. And I actually, I feel like genetically, or as we learn more about sleep and circadian rhythms, like I think I'm a, more of a night owl. And I always kind of, you know, 
felt resentful of people that said, all successful people, you know, are larks and get up at 5 a.m. I'm like, I'm not getting up at 5 a.m. But there is something to be said, whether you do it late at night before you go to bed or you do it in the morning, clearing that like the mental kind of detritus of of little things. And so this is so silly. But I, I was telling this to some people and they were like, that's actually really helpful. I just have a digital post-it note on my computer and every day in meetings when there's action items or calls that I'm like, oh, I need to think about that more and I can't do it right now. I write it on this post-it. And then at the end of the day, I reorder it in priority. And I literally put like a space between what I'm going to do like tonight and tomorrow and then later. And it's this living thing. And then I have a similar doc in my notes in my iPhone where at night, if I'm thinking about something, I'll put it in there so I can go to bed. And there's, I think in the modern world when it's so stressful and detail oriented, it's like, how do you stay on top of the details, but carve out time for big thinking? And there's, you just need a little hack like that. I think, um, I read a lot of Gretchen Rubin, who I love. She's such a good writer. She wrote The Happiness Project. She wrote um, Better Than Before. She writes a lot about habits and I laugh. I think in college, I was, I loved the narrative of like, I was a liberal arts major, a great books major. I could tear through, I'm a big reader. I could tear through a book in a couple hours and write, pull an all-nighter and write a 20 page, you know, paper. And, and it, my roommates and my like friends loved it. They're like, Oh my God, like you're insane. How did you do that? And I really realized that does not work in business. Like you do not procrastinate. You you do the hard things, you get through it, you um you do things ahead of time. And I just think some of that is discipline, but some of it is just realizing it and being intentional and carving out the the time and the space. So um there's a lot of that. And then my days, long-winded way, I'm getting back to the question about my days. I, a lot of them is spent in team meetings and client meetings, so just talking all day and and you know, listening and thinking okay, how does that fit into what I'm hearing in these other meetings? Um, and then giving the team direction without overwhelming them, like help, kind of separating the, the wheat from the chaff and saying, okay, don't worry about that. And I'm going to protect you from that. Just get these couple things right. Um, and then a lot with clients, a lot of discussions with everyone from marketing teams to the chief marketing officer, you know, and everywhere in between about what's Pinterest doing? What's our roadmap? What do we stand for? What are new, innovative, you know, digital experiences we have that can help them build their brands um so it is it's it's a mix of very big picture and very very minutia little picture and i do think i my boss who is a wonderful mentor he's my boss for the last five years told me you know never lose your thoroughness as you go move up the food chain and i i don't think we talk about that enough i think sometimes people think leadership means i can get that off my plate and i'm just going to think big thoughts all the time but in our industry in tech you have to know what's going on and the details to see the right themes and strategies. Um, and I've always respected the leaders that know what they're talking about and like can go deep. And, and some of that is, um, I think in your day to day and how you keep reading and learning and absorbing so that you're not flying too high. Yeah. No, all, all of that. I mean, that makes so much sense. It's interesting. I love that I'm stealing the post-it note hack because I have a lot <laughs> little actual ones around my desk and that seems much more early but yeah. i remember you know one woman who had graduated from our program and she said you know before i just said what was it like before and she said before i felt like a squirrel like i was just like scurrying around doing stuff for other people but now i go at my days with a little bit of purpose and sometimes it's not like it's not about having a big profound aha every day but it is about saying um, this time's for this and this time's for this right and um and being totally. about what you're go going to accomplish because that that's how stuff gets done but um, but I think it's I mean, it's just 
your inbox will always have more emails than you can hit. Like there, there will always be all the things, right? And it's kind of like that exercise of right sizing can be so powerful, but also just so hard. So good for you for it's it's so true. It's a work in progress, and I do think it's it's like the least sexy answer to a question, but it's like how do you get things done? Time boxing on your calendar. Like I'll I'll put up if I'm feeling squirrely and I'm like oh. I thought I, I was using all my ways to stay organized today, but meetings and fire drills came up. I'll just put a block. And sometimes it's past five o'clock and it's like, you have to clean up your inbox a little, do the things. And um, even just having it on your my calendar, if it's there, I'm going to do it. Like that really helps too. It makes you, it makes you create the time and the space for it. I'm a big, we, uh, my wife and I actually just started calendaring time to talk about our calendar. <laughs> <laughs> We were spending like date night time talking about it. I'm like, this is like, we can't, you know, we're, we can't be exhausted on date night. Like we're going to totally, which it sounds sort of ridiculous, but um, it helps. So yeah. <laughs> it gets calendar truly gets done. It's true. Uh, okay. So a lot of your job is about building strategic and powerful relationships. And you've talked about some mentors and so I, and is it JJ who you're talking about? Who's yeah. Here? Yeah. Oh, he worked together at Twitter and he's That's just, right. he's just incredible. Um, and I actually, I got, I got to work with his wife a little bit on PTA stuff for a little bit. She's oh, incredible. cool. Okay. I, I imagine what their kids are like. But um, so how do you go about like thinking about, I mean, one of the things that uh, I was leading a cohort not too long ago at a, a finance company and one of the women was pulled aside by someone very senior and they said, it's nice to see that you have these relationships, but those actually don't matter. You need to cultivate these relationships. And it was such a gift of like, no diss on your friends, but like, these are the four people that you really need to focus on. Yes. How have you, right? Because obviously you've been very successful in this career that's all about relationships. How have you and how do you identify and how do you help others, you know, kind of figure that piece out um, as a lever? Yeah. I That's such good advice from that story about redirecting people. I People have done that to me multiple times because it's easy to call the people that feel safe or that you know like you i remember agency side years ago my boss who's a woman i'm still close with kind of said i was i was feeling mired and and running around like a squirrel with getting so many inbound requests from partners we were in charge of the ad dollars and all of these platforms digital and otherwise were reaching out because we we had a big brand and a big you know big pool of money and i was so disciplined and i'm you know, into doing the right thing and being respectful of partners that I was replying to every single person. And she pulled me aside and said, Hey, that's not tenable. Like you can't respond to every cold inbound email. You need to get these five partners, right? Who we're spending 80% of our budgets with. And it was at that time, like big TV partners who were mostly men and who I was intimidated by, like, you know, big names, big titles. And it was this moment of like, of course that's true. And, you know, JJ pushes all of us on that too. He's like, you know, do you know everyone at your client? Are, are you texting them? Like, do they really trust you? You know, when it goes from like polite or formal to really kind of a trusted confidant relationship. And I think the way to do it is A, recognize that you need someone directing you and, and identifying who those people are. And I think the second thing is that it has to be authentic. Like it, it's a fine line of being confident and like owning your seat at the table with them but then also being humble and like listening and saying, I, I don't want to come in and assume I know all of your problems and I'm going to solve them all. Like, I, I want you to tell me what it's like to be in your shoes. And I'm going to start to unpack where I fit in and my company and my solutions fit in. Um, and a lot of it is the same thing we talked about with resiliency, like one foot in front of the other showing up over time. Like that's how clients trust you. 
is that you don't just pop in when times are good and you want, you know, some of their budget or some of their attention, whatever it is. It's like day in, day out, are you sending them emails with thought leadership? Like I saw this article and thought of you. I, you know, I had so much empathy. I realized this morning with X, Y, and Z going on for you, how you must be feeling. And I had a few thoughts for you, but call me if you need any help with anything, if I can, you know, play any role for you. And I do think it's um those big relationships that seem really important or daunting on paper. Like how do you get to know a CMO or an SVP? It's, it's forged the same way we, you do any other relationship, just showing up for them, understanding them, and then being a really good communicator and, and thoughtful and not, not wasting their time, like sending them, you know, warm and meaningful communications, but on the right, right topics. I think, I think that's it. It's, it's a, it's an ongoing, you can shape a whole career thinking about that. I think. Yeah. Do you think that you are, um, Pers- like the the ratio between how your personal experience has shaped your ability to form professional relationships uh it do you do you think your prof- i guess has your personal experience helped you more in your professional or has your professional helped you more in your personal in terms of relationship oh it's yeah a experience right that's a really interesting question i 100 percent, my personal life has made me who i am in business like I think about, I think naturally, and it's funny for someone who identified as shy probably until high school, but I think naturally I'm, I'm just a connector. I want to stay in touch with people. I like people. I'm interested in people. So like, there's something about you would never not reach out to a friend, you know, as, as you get older, friends moves, move away and it becomes easier to, to lose touch. And I'm so just, I think, like delighted by the fact that that hasn't happened in my world as much, but, but it t- takes a lot of effort. My Both of my college roommates live far away and we're still as close as we were 20 years ago, but there's constant texts. They FaceTime me with their kids all the time to say hi. It's just those little things. And and the same with that, you know, personal board of directors and, and best friends from Starcom and Bain and, and Google. I was thinking about my day yesterday, a Sunday, and I literally talked to someone from every everything I just mentioned, college and all of my jobs, I talked either in person or over text with someone from every part of that life. And and it wasn't like this orchestrated thing, like I need to reach out to so-and-so. It's like, oh, you just get in the habit and then you don't let things slip. You, you're in that that communication habit. And that's what client service is too, is like, oh, I haven't talked to so-and-so in a couple of weeks. That feels weird. Like I need to reach out. And, and then you build the mechanism so that you don't forget that you have the regular status calls or touch bases and on your calendar, you have reminders, but there's just something about um, the way you treat friends is how you should treat your clients. As cheesy as that sounds, it, it works. Like just be kind and, and be consistent and show up for them. And that's the only way you can get the relationships that seem, seem hard to, to form and maintain over time. It's such good advice. Such good advice. Thank you. Um, okay. I'm going to jump into our lightning round questions so that we, yeah. Um, and you talked a little bit about this, but what what's a book that's greatly influenced you? Oh, well, I think I mentioned Gretchen Rubin earlier, which who I do love, but I'm going to say as a, as a great books major at heart, I have to go like, you know, highbrow literature. And I would say To the Lighthouse by Virginia Woolf. Um, beautiful book. And I think so much there about relationships and, you know, how to take care of people without giving up on yourself is very, very resonant. And I, I did, um, both my undergrad and a, a 
master's degree um, about Virginia Woolf. And I, I think that's a lesson too. Like you have to get energy outside of work and you have to, even when you're working a lot, you have to find time to read and to do the things that, that bring you joy. And she's always been a part of that for me, another intellectual interest outside of work. Um, what's your favorite inspiring quote or saying? Um, that's a good one. So this one I did, I think I would go to Gretchen Rubin for, um, she wrote in one of her books, she said, look for happiness under your own roof. And I think there's so much there about like, it's easy to say, oh, if I had more money or a better job or this or that, I would be happy. But it's like whatever lot in life, you know, you find yourself having, be an optimist and like find the joy in it. And if you're miserable all the time, change whatever needs to change. Um, Cause you, you have to find happiness under your own roof. That's great. You've talked a lot about joy. And I, w- I spoke with someone earlier this morning in the UK who was saying one of the things she does is help women executives find joy. Cause there's so much, there's a lot of conversation about everything that's wrong right now. Right. But that there, there is a lot of joy in work. Right. And <laughs> to find totally. that. And you just have to focus on it. It's all, it's all framing. Like when you, if you anchor too much on the bad stuff, of course it's going to feel miserable. So it's a, it's an active choice. Um, and you can surround yourself with people that, I don't know, I think enable that too. I agree. Um, what's a one or two word moniker that you would use to describe yourself? Oh, I went back and forth between two on this. I thought, um, first I thought compassionate. And then I, I did think, oh, that feels like soft or I don't know, only a woman would pick the word compassionate. But I think that's why you pick it. Like that's, we have to, own and, and reclaim some of those phrases as being really powerful in business. Um, and I think I, I mentioned earlier, I, my mom one time when I was going to business school, she didn't have a lot of experience with the business world. She was a nurse. My dad was a doctor. We had lots of, you know, teachers, doctors, lawyers in our family. And she said, don't let business school make you mean. And at the time I was like, mom, that's horrible advice. You should be proud of me. And she was, she was like my biggest supporter, but there is something there about like, you don't have to be mean, you can be really effective, and you can be kind. So I, I would go with compassionate. And then another phrase to give you a not lightning answer to a lightning question would be high energy, you just kind of got to keep getting back up and trying things and being curious. And, and it takes energy at the root of that. And that's what makes life fun when you um, when you keep showing up. That's awesome. Um, tell me about one change that you made uh, in your life or your days that that made everything better. Yeah. Um, I think it's the sticky note on my computer thing that I, we talked about earlier. Like it, it calms your mind. Like we're, we have so many conflicting demands on our attention. And I just found writing it down creates a sense of calm. And it, I'm a horrible sleeper and an insomniac. And, you know, that alone is the number one thing that helps me sleep better at night and feel more organized at work. So you just write it down and then I know I won't forget and I can come back to it when the time is right. Okay, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna start that today. So, yeah, because <laughs> I have a lot of meetings with a lot of people today, so it's it's a good day for me to start that. Okay, yeah. last one. This is my favorite one. What's your walk up song? Oh, this is actually funny because JJ loves music and he's so good at music. And the joke is that I am the opposite, and I like listen to Taylor Swift on repeat, and that's it. And um, so I tried to think of a Taylor Swift song, but too many of hers are about like love and boyfriends. I'm like, that's not a walk up song. So I went with Lizzo. Um, it's about damn time, you know, energy get there like show up for people and uh i don't know there's something there's something there that i love awesome awesome well thank you for being so generous with your time well it was such a treat uh to get to know you a little bit and i hope we get to meet in person someday soon i know thank you for joining us for this episode of the beyond barriers podcast 
There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend, or share what you've learned on LinkedIn and tag us. We love hearing from our audience. Visit us at gobeyondbarriers.com, where you can subscribe and find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests. Mm-hmm.